You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very big episode of the Talking Chop podcast. This is, as always, Carlos Colazzo. Some new things coming to the podcast. Brad Roland <laughs> kicked off as the host. I've now taken over uh, for episode 100. Uh, just kidding, actually. Eric Cole and Brad Roland are here. Brad, thanks for letting me open it up, man. This is awesome. Uh, I love the as always, which made, which made me laugh. Uh, I think you've been <laughs> I, on, I laugh really hard. Yeah, you've, you've been on twice in a year. So yeah, all, as always, yeah. Uh, it's definitely the case. But no, this is obviously episode 100. It's sort of a landmark show. So I figured it'd be a little bit amusing to have Carlos open. We're definitely missing the good friend of the program, Scott Coleman, who uh, couldn't make it. Scott tried his best. He'll be on soon, I promise. But uh, the gang's all here aside from Scott. So uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I, I thought we were kicking Brad off because he kept trying to cherry dolls the Albies. Like, <laughs> I, like, uh, I, I assume that's what, the, what why I always have to get called on here. We got less but, than yeah. a minute before we we got an Alzi Albies trade reference, so I appreciate that, Eric. You almost uh, beat the record on that one. It's good to know that I haven't been on the podcast in, like this entire year and several months, and the Ozzy Albies Brad uh, dilemma is still ongoing. So that's that's fantastic. Good it's, to know things never change here. It's certainly here funny because uh, he's good at baseball, and I, and I know he's good at baseball. <laughs> but apparently, I am the world's foremost Ozzy Albies hater, even though I actually like him quite a bit. So <laughs> it's nice. Uh, I'm re- I'm rooting for Ozzy, and uh, hopefully, he'll be we'll be seeing plenty of him this year. But um, you know, we're gonna actually do some baseball. We could do like a, a full reflection show. We'll definitely have some of that on the pod because it is episode 100 but uh there's stuff to talk about this week so we probably have to hit it uh first things first chipper jones is in the hall of fame uh which we kind of all knew was going to happen obviously there was no suspense as to whether he was going to get in he was uh as close to unanimous as you can probably get uh in this era where people just never are unanimous um i guess we'll start with eric i'll try to direct traffic a little bit so we're not just talking all over each other the entire time but uh, thoughts on Chipper, Eric, making the Hall of Fame, even though I, obviously we all kind of knew this was coming. Yeah, I think the only question was like how unanimous he was going to be. I think he ended up with like 97.2% of the vote. Was which it 12 is, you know, people obviously... that didn't vote for him or 16? Or... Yeah, it's some very small number. I know a few of those folks were like kind of gaming the ballot to where they could, you know, help get guys who might have fall, could have, you know, potentially fallen off the ballot. You know, they didn't want to waste their vote on Chipper, waste in quotation marks. Uh, and, you know, get guys that maybe were really close to either like the 5% mark or, you know, needed to get a little bit closer to being over the hump to get in, things like that. I don't, I don't know for sure. I haven't seen a whole lot about that stuff. Uh, I love Chipper. I was at his, I was at his last game. I, you know, I love watching him play and, you know, I'm obviously he's a very deserving candidate. Uh, I'm more happy that Andrew Jones didn't fall off the ballot because for a while there, I was like convinced that it was going to happen and it was going to be rioting, but you know. Overall, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with the class. I, I'm generally 
I'm generally fine with a bigger Hall of Fame class. And, you know, my only hope next is that Edgar Martinez gets in. But, you know, in terms of Braves guys, I really hope that, you know, at the very least, Andrew Jones starts at least getting more love. Because even if you think he's a borderline case in terms of the Hall of Fame, he, he deserves more than 7% of the vote. And I don't know if that's just a function of the rule of 10 or that there's uh, other sentiments that are out there in the, you know, the writing community. But, you know, other than that, you know, I'm really happy that he got in and, you know, looking forward to having lots of brave stuff happening at the Cooperstown. Uh, we, we were talking before the podcast started, uh, and Carlos revealed that he was an, is, is a longtime Chipper Jones hater. So uh, please, <laughs> please, Carlos, yes. tell, tell your. Uh, yes. I asked you guys for some memories. Please tell your uh, background of, of Chipper Jones. Obviously, you're yeah, a little bit younger so. than Eric and I, so you have a little <laughs> bit different view of Chipper. So share that with me. I can still claim to be young. So when I first started following the Braves uh, and, and writing about the Braves, it was in around I think 2000. Six or seven, where I first started really keeping up with them, and and back then, as everyone does, I started my own little blog, and I think one of the first things I wrote was how the Braves needed to trade Chipper while he was still good, uh, so they could get something of value for him. And I think this was in his, it was somewhere between 2007 and 2009. And each of those seasons, he had a 163, 174, and 116 WRC plus, and was at least a six WAR player. Um, I was just ticked off that he was injured, I think. I really hated how all my friends obsessed over Chipper, really my whole childhood. Everyone took number 10 on all the teams that I was on because of him. So I really came into it not really liking Chipper that much. Uh, I was young. I came around. I realized how good he was. So uh, I definitely don't have the memories that you guys probably have of Chipper when he was younger in his career. I came into to the Braves world kind of late, uh, basically right when they're – 14-year streak was coming to an end, and they became a very mediocre team. So it's your fault. It's your power. Yeah, basically it is. But no. And uh, so as far as long... Team, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just about to say, it seems kind of ironic that the, it seems like that there's a long time on our tradition of folks on this podcast trying to get young infielders for the Braves traded away when they're good. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. Here we are. <laughs> but anyways, with Tipper, like, it's a joke that he's not unanimous. I know it's it might not ever happen, but... I can't imagine having a ballot and turning it in without Chipper's name checked. Uh, I guess you could make an argument for some guys trying to vote for some some more fringy candidates, like an Andrew, knowing that Chipper is a safe lock. I get that, I guess. I think the rule of 10 is really stupid and needs to change. I'm a big hall guy. Uh, but actually, it's kind of funny. Over at Baseball America, we do our own shadow hall, like a shadow mock hall of fame, where we basically send out to, to all of our former editors and writers and current writers uh, and it, it tends to be a more progressive Hall of Fame. We have six people who are already in the Hall, that Hall unanimously. It's obviously a much smaller pool. I think there are 24 ballots sent out this year. And one person did not put Chipper on their ballot in ours. So we can't claim to have Chipper as unanimous I would, guy. I would love to know the rationale there. Like, I, I get it. Yeah, I don't know. In our, it's not like we even have the same glut. That's we've what I'm saying. Guys like Clemens yeah. and Barry Bonds. Who are, 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 are these yeah. ballots sent in anonymously? Uh, they, I released mine. Some people chose to release theirs, uh, but I don't think that we know who, who I mean, for, uh, they're not public for me. Like the notion of a unanimous person kind of went out the window when Maddox wasn't unanimous. I thought he had yeah. the best chance of anybody, uh, sort of available of, of actually pulling it off because he didn't have any of the steroid stuff. You know, his numbers are absolutely preposterous, all that stuff. And as soon as uh, basically Maddox and Griffey Jr. were the two that I was like, all right, if they're not unanimous, nobody's ever going to be unanimous again. And it's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe if Mike Trout is just this guy for 10 more years and is like the greatest <laughs> player of all time, maybe he gets in unanimously. But 
I, I doubt it. I mean, there's always gonna be some reason, and this year it was to let other people in and like do all that fun stuff. But how yeah. about the worst ballot was the Tommy Viskel? That's it. Ballot. I mean, yeah, it's real bad. I oh can't, my god, I can't handle that. I can't handle <laughs> Omar Viskel as a Hall of Famer in general. But uh, yeah. how did he compare to Andrew? That's kind of interesting. I mean, it's it's amazing to me. I guess I mean there is the there is the off field thing with Andrew, which people will leave mm-hmm. him off for, which I totally understand. But my problem with that is the same people I hear arguing about that are arguing for Barry Bonds to be in the hall. I like, agree with you. That's there are some of the same issues. 100%. There. You can't have it both ways. Yes, I agree with you. 100%. And I understand the Andrew uh, off the field. Like that's if that's your argument, that's fine. I can respect yep. that at least. That's totally where you're coming from. I would rather just not have to deal with any of that and just go off what they did on the field. It's if you don't the, like uh, that. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a question of your morality or how good of a person you are. It's just at some point you have to draw the line somewhere. It's it's the baseball argument of uh, I can't imagine looking at baseball resume and thinking Omar Vizquel over Andrew Jones is a thing. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is too, and people mention this a ton, but when Vizquel was playing, it doesn't seem like he had this kind of fervor behind him. He was an All Star what twice in his entire career. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad that that that, that the Cleveland only ballot got panned as much as it did because it and it yeah. and it did because I mean, even if you didn't think you know if you want to leave all all the steroid guys and didn't don't like big haul that stuff like. I don't know how you possibly vote Omar Vizquel and not Chipper Jones. Like, think about that for a second. Someone did that. He was a three-time All-Star. Omar was. Someone, someone literally said, "I'm going to vote for Omar Vizquel and not Chipper Jones." And <laughs> and it wasn't like they were uh, filling their ballot with ten people. Like, yeah, they shouldn't have their ballot next year. I mean, year. come on. I mean, it's not. There's not really an argument against Chipper. I mean, he doesn't have the off-field thing. He doesn't have like what is. I don't. I, don't I just know. don't get Can't that. Tell you. Can tell you. <laughs> anyway, uh, with all that said, I mean. There's lots of chi- lots of chipper memories that people I'm sure will have. I have a ton of them. Uh, actually, kind of funnily, that's, that's not a word. Kind of funny uh, in my uh, in my head is that when I was young, I mean, obviously I was young when Chipper was young too. But I wasn't the biggest Chipper guy in the world either. Like I I knew how good he was the whole time, um, but you know, probably in my contrarian ways that I still have was probably like, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to have my favorite player be the best player kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, by the time, you know, the MVP year in 99, he was obviously absolutely unbelievable in that season. And even late, man, like, I kind of loved late Chipper, like the 2006 to 2008 run when he was just like – When he was like, always injured. Always hurt, but, like, always incredible. <laughs> like, he posted the, yes. the, the 364, 470, 574 slash in 2008. Yeah. Like when he led the league in batting average and and OBP at 36 years old, like he was ridiculous. Pretty solid. Like yeah. So all that to say, like if I had to do one memory, I know Eric has some too. Like my my late chipper memory is his his final home run, the 2012 walk off, and I was there against the Phillies, and that place erupted like in the, in a way that does not happen recently and and then of course that was turner field but um his last that his literally his last home run was to you know that walk off to beat the phillies and it was a, a madhouse for a team that um i mean they weren't bad in 2012 but it wasn't like they were necessarily thinking they were going to win the, the world series they, they, that was the year they lost the wild card game of course um and the chris medlin show and the you know infield fly all that fun stuff but before that uh, Chipper bringing the house down with a walk off was probably my my most recent at least favorite memory of him. Obviously, there were plenty of them. Eric, did you have anything that like was specifically to uh, Chipper? I know you mentioned sort of being there for his last game. Is that probably the best one for you? Is there one for that for you? Well, I don't know if I'd call the last game as like the best memory I had. I mean, I, I mean watching Chipper over the years. There's a lot of. Re- I mean, I rem- I remember distinctly when he was first coming up, and in spring training he blew out his knee. 
which like delayed him coming up and actually yeah. kind of like starting things. I remember like being heartbroken because of how how highly touted he was, and really just kind of liking what I had seen so far. Then <laughs> again, this was when I was younger. Uh, now the last game, I was I, I really was wanting to make sure that I was at the very least during that playoff, the quote unquote playoff run. Uh, when they're going into, I wanted to at least try to get to those home, get to those home games because I knew that this was going to be his last year. That was the most terrifying baseball game experience I have ever been in because that was the infield fly game. Now on TV, it just looked like there was some trash being thrown oh, on no, the it field. Was the madhouse, I was there too. No, the blooper <laughs> game. I was on field level seats and I was being pelted by full beers from the upper deck. It was scary, and we had and there was like a couple of Cardinals fans sitting right behind me, and I, I just told them that they needed to get out because like. This is this is getting bad. Like the whole stadium shaking. I'm, I'm thinking a riot's going to break out at any any moment in time. It was it, it was like legitimately a scary experience. Um, but and then Chipper wisely, given that you know projectiles are being thrown from the stands, he didn't come out and do a curtain call or anything like that. Which is again a little disappointing because ultimately that was his last game, and you kind of wanted to see him right. get sent out in a slightly different way. Uh, but he did beat out an infield quote unquote hit for you know his last at bat or whatever. So. You know, it was it was it was it was, a, it was a, certainly an interesting experience and one that I won't forget. We I'll should uh, we should at least let me you know even briefly mention that you know his his full rookie season was was the title winning season ninety five. He actually didn't win the rookie of the year, which I had forgotten that it was the that was the Hideo Nomo rookie of the year, um, and that was probably earned. He was really good that year, but Chipper twenty three home runs and on a on a uh, title winning team with eight hundred plus OPS at twenty three. He was good right away and didn't literally never stop being good. His lowest um, OPS plus, for instance, uh, was that rookie season at 108. He was never um, anything below an average hitter all the way to the end. At 40 years old, he posted a 287, 377, 455 slash uh, in almost four in almost 500 plate appearances. Like he was his lowest player. OPS plus after that rookie season was 116, which <laughs> like is what <laughs> absolutely insane. Uh, he also so, yeah. never won a World Series again. Yeah, I mean that's obviously. Thank Sorry, you for that, guy. Alice. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Can, um, wait, just can we think about this? I'm sure you guys have, and everyone does, but the amount of talent, the amount of first ballot Hall of Fame talent they had on one team for such an extended period only gets you one World Series. Like, that hurts. That yeah, really does hurt. I, I mean, the, 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 there was a fair amount of Hall of Fame talent on those Yankees teams, too. Oh, and, my God. And, and, and that plus some of the, uh, I don't know, if you, I don't know if they you call them choke jobs or bad luck or whatever, but, you know. 96 was, was the only one that, uh, in the Chipper era, I, I will say that the Braves should have won. Uh, Ninety-nine, they got blasted, uh, got swept. Obviously, that was his, that was his MVP seasons. But there was no scenario in which they were winning that World Series. They pretty much just got housed. But ninety-six was the one they got away. Um, in this era, obviously, the two earlier than that, ninety-one, ninety-two, were very winnable pre-Chipper. But yeah, I mean, only getting one uh, with all those. Because if you add, obviously, everyone talks about the pitching. But if you add Chipper to that um, that sort of core starting in ninety-five. That five six year run was uh, pretty ridiculous, and only get one is uh, kind of disappointing, obviously. But you know they got one. Really quick, he was guys. good. Without baseball referencing this, how many times do you think Chipper got MVP votes uh, in his nineteen years? And I guess that's probably even seventeen if you don't count ninety three ninety four, which I don't know if B ref counts in their automatic counter. Ooh, I would mm-hmm. guess how many times he got one at, at least one vote. At um, least, uh, so I guess for this one it would be. His last year, he was thirty second. So I don't know if that one counts. But it counts. Thirty second or higher counts. Uh, I will say eleven. I'm gonna say thirteen. Thirteen. Eric gets it right on the head. That's, that's incredible. 
Yeah, thirteen I mean, times he was voted. Rather absurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he never I finished. The, I, 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 I just thought fourth, teens, right? What'd you say? He never finished higher than fourth, except for the year he won. Is that right? I think that I don't think I read that yeah, somewhere. Yeah, he finished fourth in '96, and his next closest after that was sixth in 2007, when he led the league in OPS. But to just be like as rock solid, consistent as he was, I mean, he had one season in what you would say is his prime that he didn't have at least a 900 OPS, and. Basically, he got babbipped that year. Like he had a 362 on base and only hit 248. That was by far the lowest batting average of his career. And if he just has normal luck, like he hit 30 home runs, if he just had normal luck that year, it would have been even better than that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he was obviously absurd for the duration, and we don't have to talk about Tripp for the entire podcast. But uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, him being in the Hall of Fame was always going to be a thing, and I was happy to see that happen. You know, lots of festivities this week. You know, lots of media, a couple of different little things that happened. I was. Uh, candidly at a at a Hawks game during all of the chipper madness, but I got, I got to at least check up on all of that after the fact. He was his he was himself uh, on the podium, which was you know always entertaining. Chipper has a personality that um, is unique and interesting. So uh, and by the way, Chipper and I share the air on the Andrew Jones Driven documentary. Just want to share that with you guys. Chipper, Chipper oh yeah, that was back fantastic. To at one point. Yeah, go go to, go to SunTrust Park. It's still it's still that that. What do they put still... under your name? Like what is your credentials on that? Uh, it's, it, it says Talking Chop. It says Brad Roll yep. Talking oh, Chop. Nice. Yep. Yeah. That's fantastic. Shouts to talking job. Yep. But uh, yep. anyway. My, <laughs> yep. Uh, my, daughter's, my daughter's first baseball game, she got to see Brad's face uh, sitting is, there on the TV screen. That's an unbelievable uh, thing that we can probably just leave right there. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll move on from uh, Chipper because we could do that forever. But uh, this is a big prospect week, and I'm kind of going to lay this stuff out for you guys. You know, Carlos and his uh, – if you people are not familiar with this – Carlos is now at Baseball America, and he's not necessarily a uh, prospect guy. He's more of a draft guy, but you're still very close to this stuff because this is what BA does in a lot of ways, and obviously Eric is the prospect guru at Talking Shop. So I'm going to stay out of the way on this, but all the uh, basically the, the three big prospect lists hit this week, Baseball America, Keith Law, and uh, MLB Pipeline all came together. Uh, I'm going to defer to you guys. Anything stand out um, on these lists? Obviously, Ronald Acuna being number one or number two on on all three was not a big surprise. But uh, anything that jumped out, please share your uh, thoughts. And I know Carlos is, you know, hopelessly biased against one uh, towards one of these. I'll, I will. Say one that. of these prospect lists is really good, and the other ones just all suck. Yeah, that's no. that's that's appropriate. <laughs> all but, uh, these are all these are good. I mean, obviously, everyone who's doing these is. A lot of experience doing the job. Keith Law speaks for himself. I mean, Jim Callis is arguably the the dude who's been doing it longer than anyone in the industry. BA, I mean, our track record's phenomenal. I'm thrilled to be with the guys and and JJ Cooper and Josh Norris and Ben Bazer, all those guys. I mean, they do a phenomenal job. And I think Eric mentions this, and I think Brad, you've mentioned this before. But just because the prospect lists are different doesn't mean one is better or worse than another. I mean, people are coming to the conclusions they come to. Uh, with very good information uh, and di- maybe different rationales or understandings of players, but I mean, it's not a huge deal that Ron Acuna is one or two on another list. But I know Braves fans. I don't know. Actually, have they been boycotting Pipeline because Ron Acuna is not number one? Uh, I don't think it's been that bad. I mean, I'm certainly there's some people that have been like a little been upset about it. Uh, what mm. what what has been tilting people more has been probably Keith's list. Colby Aller but, not being there, right? That was, yeah, that Colby was not being on, Colby not being on there at all. That, yeah, uh, there was a lot more noise about that. Now, I mean, look, I love Keith. I love all these. I love all these guys, which just makes me like when people start getting like blasting them. I'm like, do you realize there's like eight to ten Braves players in this top 100? 
if you were around five years ago, you'd be like, every time it was prospect list season, just be like, gee, I hope that Todd Cunningham can sneak in that top 100. You know, Todd Cunningham, man. Sean Gilmartin. I mean, yeah, the Sean Gilmartin, J.R. Graham days, you know, hoping that, you know, uh, this is a, like, it's still an amazing farm system. What I like about the list being different is that there's like guys that are thought of, thought about differently and there's like different guys to talk about because, I mean, realistically, the top 100 to 100, I mean, 125 to 150 50 prospects all have re- legitimate cases that can be made to be made on, mm-hmm. to put on a top 100 list. I don't like how you parse every single future value 45 guy or 50 guy and, you know, just come up with a list of 100 that's like the cutoff is right at 100. It's perfect. It, it's just not, it's just not how it works. And, you know, like there's differences that are interesting to me. Like Keith Law has Pache at 57, Pipeline doesn't have rank at all. And that's just a yeah, difference. We don't have them on our top 100 either. The Pache yeah. thing is very interesting to me because when Christian Pache hits his next first, his next home run, it'll be his first. I know yep. JJ likes to say that. The dude's never hit a home run before. There are real questions about his hit tool. Like everyone understands the talent, but to put a guy as a top 100 prospect when his worst tool is hitting, which happens to be the most important tool that you have, uh, I think it's pretty fair to not leave him on there. I've seen a lot of Braves fans that are unhappy he's not on there. I know he's kind of like been the niche guy, uh, the deep guy that you guys have been talking about for a while. Uh, and I get it. He has like phenomenal defensive talent and ability. But, I mean, you still have to wait and see for him to develop offensively. Like yeah, at this point, if, he, if nothing else happens, he's going to be a fourth outfielder. I mean, I guess well, he could be a Billy Hamilton type and just provide not much on offense. But he's got to take the steps forward offensively. Well, absolutely, and that's the thing, right? Like, ultimately, with a lot of the guys, like a guy like Pache is a good example. Is that you're kind of betting on him to figure it out, and whether or mm-hmm. not you think, whether or not you, if you're willing to place that bet, mm-hmm. you know, you could end up looking really smart, or you could put, for example, Christian Pache at 57, and then he ends up never hitting for any power, mm-hmm. and the hit tool never really develops any more than it is. Could he be a guy that like hits like 280 or 290 without any power and still end up being a very good major league player? Yeah, but that's that's a much tougher profile. Mm-hmm. He needs he needs to be be able to hit for power. Now, have I been a little more bullish on him? Yes, but at the same time, a list that doesn't have Christian Pache on it in their top 100, I completely understand. He, he mm-hmm. I always thought it, for this season, I assumed that he was going to be kind of a guy that might sneak into the back end of some lists. That yeah. could that, that could feasibly like be like a ninety like number ninety eight or something like that as a guy like hey this guy really has some real ability he just has one thing that he has to fix and if he fixes that he could turn into a top twenty prospect in a hurry but when I saw him at fifty seven I was like okay I mean that was uh, <laughs> and obviously uh, I will always couch this with I am not the prospect guru but uh, I think the thing that I saw the most this week uh, as we mentioned before was a uh, surprise about Allard. But second was my own personal surprise at Pache being in, being in the top 60 for Keith Law. Like, I kind of was with Eric. Like, I was expecting him to be maybe in the 90s in some, in some spots. Seeing him as a top 60 guy with all the bat stuff uh, was a, certainly an eyebrow raise. Like, I wasn't upset about it, obviously. But it's one of those things where he's kind of all over the place. Also, you know, Austin Rye was all over the place, too. You know, he's, yeah. he's as high as 54 on uh, – on BA's list and not on Keith Law's list, and uh, you know I think he's not 97 for pipeline, so he's kind of all over, all over the place too. So it's just a couple of guys, and I, none of this stuff is wrong necessarily. I just no. think it's all sort of interesting, and it will pique your interest. And you make a little note to say, all right, well maybe we'll keep an eye on that, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, I, and I will note that I, I know I am reasonably certain that Keith Law putting Mike Sorokin in his top 100, he did so begrudgingly <laughs> because <laughs> the last two years. 
He had him at Brave. 60, though. That's pretty, that's pretty good respect. That's no, reasonable. No, no, absolutely. But the last two years, he hasn't put I me mean, obviously before Rome, Mike hadn't earned that, that you know, being in the top 100 because he wasn't that kind of guy yet. But, you know, Braves fans have been yelling at Keith for a long time about Mike's Roka, and he's been dug in that he doesn't like his arm slot. You think he might could be a reliever. I have a question, uh, Eric. Did, didn't like his build. And I was like, I have okay. a uh, I have a question for you, Eric. Um, I'm, ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Aside from uh, just automatically seeing Acuna on any list because he's so high, the first thing you do when you see a list is see what Mike is <laughs> on it, right? That's the first thing you do. I assume that, right? So I have a bot. I have a bot on my computer that just searches for the word Soroka on okay. any web page I'm on. He has Google alerts. So you're, yeah, you're, yeah, your control so F I, I, is just always Soroka. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm more optimized these days. You know what I mean? I don't have to do. I don't have to do the control F anymore. Just kind of something that it's like it's a Chrome extension. Uh, okay, know, I'll, I, just wanted, I just wanted to make sure that I was aware of your process uh, on the back on the back end. But no, I mean, look, you know, 27 by the way for BA, a lot of love for Mike. So 31 pipeline. Yeah, everybody's embracing your uh, your point of view here. I'm Mike. Yeah, yeah, I know JJ really likes Mike Soroka. I think he goes into it a lot more uh, in the chat we had for the top 100. I think he touches on Mike Soroka. If you guys haven't seen that, that's up on BA. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I know JJ really likes. If we haven't seen it, come on, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if JJ you listener, I, kind listener, hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, JJ and I were geeking out. JJ, when he was on uh, Road to Atlanta, we we were geeking out about Soroka, really about a lot of the brave stuff. That, that, yeah, that was a good listen. That, that, I'm glad I set him on. Oh, uh, that, that was so much fun. I felt so bad during that podcast because I told him it was going to be an hour, and then like I'm like, okay, this is the last question. I was like, I was I was being good. <laughs> I walked into the office. The, the next day I walked into the office and asked him how it went. He was like, it was great. He was like, they were trying to get me off. They thought they were taking my time. I wanted to keep talking about prospects. Like he was legit excited to keep going on. What was that? Martin Luther King day. Yeah. It, it was like an hour and a half, like his, <laughs> his first day off in like two weeks. And, yeah. he, and I'm like, I remember at one point you were like, this is the last question. And I think he said something like, Oh, we can keep going. I was like, yeah, that's JJ. <laughs> hey, you know what? JJ wants to come on and talk three hours about Braves prospects. I'm in, but I was just trying to nuts. For sure. I mean, you don't you, you don't you don't turn that down to be sure. Um, I mean, obviously, we can go through through these in, in detail. There's no real real reason to do that. I don't think. Uh, just kind of uh, you know, before we move on from them completely. And did anything legitimately surprise like you, guys? Go ahead. What surprised you, Brad? We've been I talking mean, about. Is there any guy you like more than where he's ranked? I mean, I know there's some fluctuation in these lists. I know you, me and you both like Tukey. I, I think I'm, this, I'm kind of moving a little bit away from Tukey a little bit. I still like him a lot. Um, I think it's reasonable to not have him on the list and, you know, we'll have him at 90. I think my legitimately my biggest surprises were Allard not being on Law's list and Bryce Wilson being 68 on Law's list. I love Bryce. I really do. I know do. you do. And, I, and, I, and I've, uh, I've followed him more because of, uh, because of our guys liking him a lot. But that still shocked me when I saw it. I was like, not that he was on the list necessarily, but having him 68 and ahead of guys like the guys like uh, Fried and Tukey and Wentz and Allard. I mean, Bryce Wilson yeah. being you know at least forty spots ahead of Colby Aller on the prospect list was like a wow that actually happened. That's that was something mm-hmm. I wasn't mad again. I mean, it was it was encouraging to see somebody like him like that, but uh, that kind of blew me away a little bit. I don't know. I, I I like Wilson in the sense that I like that he's changeup has developed a little bit more. And whenever I saw him throw like a nine inning complete game and he was still throwing ninety five, ninety six, I was like maybe I should be a little more, you know. I should be watching this guy a little more closely, but you know, I, I don't have any problems at the same time with, uh, like say baseball America or pipeline, not putting him on the list because that, that was his first season of full season ball. Let's see what he can do in high a, because ultimately these rankings don't affect how these guys play in the majors. They do not, uh, you know, like yeah. at all. 
That is important. The guy I'm most excited to see more of uh, get, get some more innings is Kyle Wright, just because he's such a, a recent addition here, being a 2017 draft. I think this guy is really, really good. I think I said you, you during the draft that. Yeah, I think I said during the draft that I liked him and Mackenzie Gore more than any player in the class. So I think of him just as highly as you did maybe say that to me. Gore, that, 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 like that, that, athletic, but yeah, that Gore call the body. He's got the stuff. I really like Cal Wright. Yeah, that Gore call looks pretty good right now too. Everyone, right? Loves him. he's just destroying everything. Sheesh. Um. Yeah. I mean. It's it's fun to be uh it's fun to have one of the better guys uh, in a draft class. It's kind of what's what happens when you when you when you draft high. So there's pros and cons to drafting high. It's like hey you've been bad for a while and you get to draft high. Congratulations! But uh, usually you get a guy who's pretty good, and we've seen that happen uh, with Kyle Wright. Um, we can uh, quickly hit on uh, the Braves kind of being in the number one or number two spots uh, on team rankings. You know, Law had the Braves number one despite his Colby Allard hate. I'm just kidding. Um, did have the Braves at number one organizationally. Uh, I candidly did not have the time to go look at everybody's organizational rankings, but I assume I believe ours have two. not dropped, but I think they're dropping this week. Are you gonna Are you gonna spoil them on the podcast? Don't do that. I don't know. I don't might get, get fired, fired if I do that. Yeah, <laughs> I can say they will be top fifteen at the very least. That is uh, a really really hot. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Bold prediction from Carlos Colazo. If they're 16th, no, I'm calling you. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> if they're 16th, you can call me. You can shame no, me. Just, no, just 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 <laughs> just tag Carlos on Twitter and let him have let let, let, <laughs> let Braves Twitter have their fun. That's what they've been doing. I mean, okay. Uh, obviously, you guys are more clued on this. Is it, do we think like objectively? Do you think the Braves have you, you personally? Do you think the Braves have the number one system right now? I know it's it's obviously close and super super subjective, but I can uh, tell you what I have personally, just because my input away. does not for orgs. I would have uh, the Braves, the Padres, the Yankees, and then the White Sox in that order. I think the Braves have the best combination of depth and impact talent close to the majors. I think it's arguable that the Padres might have the most talent overall, but so many of their guys are either injured or in the lower minors. Uh, the Yankees' talent is literally absurd. Not talent. Their depth, they are extremely, extremely deep. I don't like their top-end guys as much as the Braves and the Padres. Um, and then the White Sox, I think their their uh, farm system falls off a lot quicker than most people might think if they haven't looked into it pretty deeply. Uh, that's just me personally. I don't, I don't know what specifically our guys have, but I think those four teams are clearly at the top at this point. Yeah, I actually would agree with your order. Uh, it's worth noting that like, if a guy like an Esteban Florial breaks out next year, that the Yankee system gets a lot top, better top-heavy in a hurry. Um, and you know, the White Sox might have the really good top-end talent with guys like you know, you know, Kopech and you know, basically you know, a good chunk of the top, like a, a good chunk of the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Padres have a legitimate claim. Honestly, for uh, an argument for the top slot, it's just that the Braves' depth. I mean, like you could name thirty guys for the Braves. And then there's like ten or fifteen names that are still very interesting players and would be you know would be on a lot a lot of other lists. Mm-hmm. So and that, that, that's why I think they, they have top they have the top prospect in baseball or at least one of them depending on who you listen to in Ron Acuna. <clears throat> they have a lot of guys kind of in the middle of that top 102, but some back end guys and then some guys who could you know feasibly fight their way on mid season. I mean there's it's not unreasonable to think that they could have double digit top 100 guys by mid season this year. Uh, assuming prom- like too many, not too many promotions happen, so it, it they it, there's a reason why they're they're considered the number one organization, uh, like in terms of minor league systems. But it seems like the the Padres in particular have a, re- a reasonable case because they have a lot of really high end talented players. And if Mackenzie Gore does what 
seems like every you know person I've talked to anyway thinks it's going to happen, then he might be the top prospect in baseball by the end of the year. And then you also have like Fernando Tatis too. So mm-hmm. you know th- those are both two guys who could like be top ten prospects by the end of the year. That's and that 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 gives you a legitimate claim for it. Yeah, that usually that usually helps. Uh, we can move on from that. Obviously, I just want to at least get you guys uh, quick thoughts. On those, because they're again, they're very subjective. So don't get too mad. And the Braves are usually going to be. Uh, I, have, I have a feeling that uh, BA will treat the Braves pretty well. Uh, and and if, if they don't, please tag Carlos on any uh, complaint tweets. <laughs> and don't 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 tag JJ. Just, just tag Carlos. Him. Just just add Carlos. Yeah, yeah. Just, I'll just take it all. I'm responsible for it all, so I'll just take it all. You know. It's perfect. Um, all right, let's move on from uh, from pure prospect talk to uh, to zips. And I think I should have on this last week actually, but here we are. Uh, 2018 zips are out. I know uh, Carlos, sorry, Eric and the guys had uh, Dan Zaborski on the podcast recently, so we won't spend too much time on this, but a couple of eyebrow raises <laughs> for me in the zips projections. For those of you unfamiliar, it's a projection system that basically takes a look at everybody on the roster and sort of projects what they're going to do in 2018 and uh, some highs, some lows. Uh, I mean, <laughs> let's just start with uh, with Acuna because he's the biggest <laughs> name. Um 21 home runs, 33 stolen bases, and a slash line of 269, 321, 452 for almost three wins above replacement. Uh, pretty optimistic for a guy who's never played professional baseball, at least, well, sorry, major league baseball. Um, does that strike you as insane, either one of you? I know. Yes. I mean, it sounds high it, to me as someone who's here's, skeptical. Here's but. what is the most surprising thing to me, and it might even be like the least important thing on here, but 33 stolen bases? That's a lot. With a three twenty one OBP, like where are they coming from? I think well, it's going to come from like eighty attempts with Acuna because exactly. he, he will he will run a lot. <laughs> they, they shouldn't let him run that much. One of the one of the nits you can pick with Acuna is that he is a little bit raw on the bases and kind of needs to figure that out a little bit more. That's that's one of the few areas of his game where you can really critique. Um, and he's never faced major league catching before, so it's a lot better, and the pitchers are a lot better getting to the plate quicker. So that thirty-three just seems high. I would, I would imagine Albies has more stolen bases than Acuna over a full major league season, at least this year. I would certainly uh, make that bet too. I'm with you 100 percent on that. By the way, just a little bit of housekeeping on the uh, stolen base front for Acuna. They also project 18 caught stealings, so 33 of 51. That number that, may be spot on. Because yeah, <laughs> he stole in 2017, he stole 44 and was caught 20 times. Like that, you cannot steal that inefficiently at so, the major league level, I would hope. Albies' projection is 25 stolen bases and six caught stealings, just for a little bit of reference there. Um, and I'm with you 100%. I think it's certainly possible <laughs> that Acuna steals more bases, but I would be, I'd be betting on Albies if you were trying to put that out on, on, on a sports book. That'd be my uh, the angle I would take. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy, Eric? What do you think about that? I mean, it seems like a crazy projection for a guy in his rookie season who's going to be if if he's playing this year, he's going to be twenty the entire year, uh, and twenty, you know, twenty. <laughs> he's going to be twenty years old. Twenty-one home the, runs, thirty-three bases projected. And, and this is and this isn't like me projecting a line for him where I'm like the obviously going to be the prospect guy. I'd be like, yeah, he's going to be a perennial all star. It'd be great. This is Dan Simborski's projection system, which is going to be. On the conservative side, and Dan would be the first one to say it's more on the conservative side, in particular with prospects, because the data isn't nearly as reliable. You know, in terms of like you can't project a huge season in the minors and say, well, that's just going to translate directly to the major leagues, because that's not how it works at all. Watch him just and, improve again in the major leagues and make us all look like idiots. Well, I mean, that's just it. Watch him hit 350, <laughs> hit 40 home runs. I mean, he you know, might do something crazy. Steal 80 bases. I just don't see like. 
I don't know. He might be that. He might be awesome right away. But I mean, when I saw those numbers the first time, like he's projected as the the Albies number on the two. team. No, the Albies numbers two or well, yeah, they're very high. I mean, Albies number one comp is Derek Jeter. Yeah, like Derek Jeter, first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I will say though, I mean, I don't think that fifteen home runs. I mean, I know that his he was hitting for real power when he came up last year. Fifteen home runs still seems. That's that's a that's a lot for Ozzy for me still. Obviously, I'm willing to be proven wrong. I do think he'll hit better for two than two fifty eight though. I will 30, say that. 32 doubles, nine triples, and fifteen home runs for Albies would be you know fifty six extra base hits. That is a lot of extra base hits. I mean, granted, almost seven hundred plate appearances. He's projected to lead the team in plate appearances, which I assume means that he's hitting leadoff in this projection, which is interesting because I don't think he's going to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he'll be up there and be hitting a lot. And as long as he if he plays that much. The count of stats will will come, but man, fifteen home runs seems like a lot. Yeah, what's his uh, career high in the minors? <laughs> Not less that. than that. Significant. He had fourteen or. 15? I'm looking it up now. Uh, his career he had high fifteen between Triple uh, A and majors. This so yeah, that, and, and right. seven hundred plate appearances. That's higher so. than I would have guessed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he look. He's a really strong guy, so it's not like I don't think he's like swinging a toothpick or anything, but. He just, I don't know. He seems like a more like he'll like ring, like ring up, ring up a bunch of doubles, and get you know, and that's that's real production. Don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah. fifteen home runs still seems like a lot to me. I mean, he's projected. But that to, might just be the world we're in now. So he's projected for three point three wins above, wins above replacement, and uh, that may not seem like a crazy number, but again, given his age too, that's a lot. Um, I yeah. mean, the Braves. This projections for the Braves are very, very encouraging in a lot of different ways. Uh, those two guys, especially uh, even Dansby Swanson, um, nothing crazy with the bat, but uh, you know, about, about two and a half win, uh, you know, two point three wins above replacement for Swanson would be a huge step forward after last year. He's projected to have uh, almost thirty doubles, ten home runs, and in, uh, a OPS uh, hovering around seven hundred with quality defense. That would be a huge step forward too. Which again, and even Luis Johara, those are like the big four right now in terms of the young guys that are on the roster. Obviously, we kind of know what Enciarte and Freeman are on the top of, on the top end, but those four guys who we all expect to be on the roster are all projected to have at least two point three wins above, wins above replacement. If they all do that, that'd be really really awesome. Yeah, the team becomes a lot more competitive if these are true. That's in for sure. a hurry. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to be a wild card team with these guys doing this. But uh, if you if you told me these guys are going to do this, I'd tell you the Braves probably win 80 games. Yeah, I mean, they. they, they I mean, they're certainly a 500 team. That, I mean, there are a lot of other things have to go right. I mean, yeah. Tyler Flowers, the Tyler Flowers, Kurt Suzuki platoon has to continue to be the best platoon in baseball, which I am. You mean they are going to actually about. have like six war between the two? They're going to take the this under year? this year, huh? Yeah, that that seems like a fair. That seems like a smart bet. Uh, I mean, and those guys played great last year, but yeah, I'm. That that's that seems like. A, that's asking for a lot from those two guys. I'll say that it certainly is. I and mean, we should talk, we should talk about the pitching a little bit. Um, Johara is actually projected as the best pitcher on the team by a pretty wide margin, even though um, the projection only has him for 148 innings, uh, 2.7 WAR. Uh, Julio Tehran about 182 innings, uh, about in two WAR, which would be obviously an improvement on last year. Followed by Sean Newcomb, uh, Mike Soroka. By the way, would be fourth on this list, which is amusing. Yes. Uh, does he? Okay. Yes. Eric, right. Right now, today it is January twenty eighth. Uh, when does Mike Soroka arrive in the major leagues? When does Mike Soroka arrive in the major leagues? Spot, man. Jeez. July twenty eighteen. I'm gonna add July. Really? July twenty eighteen. Wow. I think there's gonna be. I think there's gonna be. I think there's gonna be an injury, and they're gonna. And they're gonna. They're gonna roll the dice with him. 
I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. Carlos, does that say, does that sound insane to you? I know you're a little bit further away these I'm, days, but I, mean, uh, I don't know. He'd, he'd probably be one of the first guys they call, right? I mean, he'd be safer than most happens. guys in the system. Yeah. I mean, it seems a little quick, but just with so many question marks you have in that rotation, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. So here's uh, my thing, right? I would like, take. Do you really want to call up Lucas Sims? Is that the guy you want to call up if you really need a, a spot start? I mean, I just, I, if you think, if you, it depends, I guess, how competitive you are at the point. Sure. If you've given up on Lucas Sims as a prospect, what Stroke has been doing, there's a lot of variables we they just would, don't know. I'd they would almost that. certainly go to Sims first if it was not a like rest of the season look. I think. Yeah. But that makes sense. Do you guys think? He's already on the 40, man. So. This yeah. is a different question, but do you guys think that the Braves are going to be at that point this year where they're really just all in going for it? Because I feel like 2019 is kind of that year. Yeah, I do not see that. I mean, we, we, got, a, we got a couple of mailbag questions about like, you know, okay. what, what, what they were going to do the rest of the, uh, the rest of the winter because they've been so quiet to the point where – Yeah, this offseason has been the worst. The roster is basically the exact same as it was. Uh, I talked to Joe Lucia last week on the podcast, and it was like, by the way, look at these rosters. They're exactly the same between last year and this year. Nothing has changed. I mean, obviously, with the Braves, they have more young guys coming up than most teams would. But you know, but you know, in terms of just actual movement, it's Matt Kemp not being there, and you add that. Especially that, 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 that one how trade. did you not have me on the podcast when Matt Kemp left? Why did the, how did that, that not happen? The, that was that was a topic of conversation. I was here. <laughs> yeah, we did chat about you, huge, uh, Carlos. Huge uh, but no, it's one of those things where, like, if you look at this roster, and it's, I don't want to get down this rabbit hole necessarily, but a lot of Braves fans are like, all right, this team's going to be good this year. And it's like, guys, it's the same roster as it was a year ago. Like, there's, you have to explain to me why they're going to be, I mean, I, I get a little bit better because, you know, there's so many young guys that you would project some growth. And obviously, Acuna is there and Albies for a yep. full season, all that stuff. But, like, you got to tell me there are just why so else much, they're going to be better. There are so many more areas on this team that can be vastly different from last year just because of how many young guys and how many prospects you're relying on. Like, Ronald Acuna is a completely different player than Matt Kemp. And no, they're, they're very similar, people, actually, Carlos. <laughs> I understand that, like, a lot of the, the names haven't changed, but as far as development, you could get a lot. I understand where Joe's coming from, but... I don't third know. I think this could, this could be a turning point for them. That's the question: is third base? Yeah, third, third yeah. base, and what they and how they handle, uh, yeah, Marquez and all that fun stuff. But third base, third base, and pitching are the two questions. If only there was a great outfielder that they could have traded for to just allow Marquez to go off into the wind. Oh yeah, well, thank camp. you for doing that transition for me. It's like you're still a host <laughs> of this podcast. Um, <laughs> Christian Yelich is no longer on the Marlins. I don't want to do too much on this, but um, he was traded. We talked about him for about a month straight on the podcast. I know Eric's weighed in on the on the show. I have repeatedly. Uh, the the return for him was significant. They didn't they didn't give him away, but at the same time, a lot of Braves fans, including me, kind of. Just at least look at that trade and, and think, man, the Braves probably could have exceeded that without too much trouble. Does that seem reasonable? Uh, you know, either one of you guys can chime in, or both of you. On just kind of, I, I was left feeling a little bit, um, a, a little bit of yearning for Christian Yelich because I feel like he was he was out there to be taken. I don't think that the Marlins had any interest in trading Christian Yelich to the Braves, and I'm not sure if it was that could be it. A, that, I, I don't know if that was an inner like an inner division thing. Or it was a public relations thing where they felt like that they had the trade for, you know, they, they basically Google searched who's the top prospect in each system. And they, because I mean, they, I know they asked the Blue Jays for Vlad Jr., that was never going to happen. Demanding Ronald Acuna, that was never going to happen. Now, is it just because that they like the package from the Brewers better? I, I have trouble thinking that the Braves couldn't come up with a package that would make that one look bad, but I'll, without, without getting rid of Acuna. But, 
at the same time, we don't know what dynamics were in play in terms of like who the Marlins wanted to be dealing with, because look, there's it's not like fans in Miami are exactly clamoring to go to that ballpark right now, and if they had to see Christian Yelich playing in it for a division rival, you know, however many, many times a year, like that may have been a non-zero consideration. I, I will say that. That sounds yeah, totally I, reasonable, by the way. I mean, Carlos, I know you're again not as uh, as steeped in Braves as we are day to day right now, but you know, what you think of that package in general? Was that enough? And obviously, looking at the Braves system and talking about how it was number one organization mm-hmm. for a lot of people, I felt like they could have done it even without Acuna, or maybe even without Albies too. Yeah, it's hard to compare the the hypothetical deal to the real one, just because we don't know who was off the table for the Braves, what their package actually was, what their best offer was. It's a lot of what ifs. Uh, I do think from the Marlins perspective, it's a really good haul. And I think if you look at just the Marlins trades uh, this past offseason, ignoring all the optics, which is impossible to do in reality for Marlins fans, they've been a really good baseball trades. I think they went from one of the worst systems in the league to I think they added like maybe four four three or four top 100 guys and i think they've had three separate trades uh where they've added their new number one prospect in the system uh, and that was the case with the yellow trade as well uh so i think they've done about a good as good a job as you can considering their uh i guess self-imposed financial limitations and what they were doing Uh, and if you're going for the rebuild i mean you need to trade all these guys and get as much talent as you can so i thought it was really good for them obviously for the brewers they're the only team that seems like they're doing anything this offseason uh, yeah. As far as improving the team, so I thought I obviously love Christian Yelich. I think he's a great player. Uh, they've got some some stuff to do with their outfield, but no, I think I think it's one of those trades that's good for both teams. I do think that the Braves fans are a little going a little overboard, saying they could have blown that trade out of the water without putting Acuna in it. Uh, there was some really good talent that was given up, and uh, if you look more into those guys that the Brewers did trade, I think those guys are probably better than than Braves fans might think, just because they know their guys, but. It's also they might very, not go everyone other system. So, yeah. and I think it's completely fair to ask for Ron Lacuna if you have Christian Yelich. Oh, absolutely. If, you're, if that's what you if that if you're asking for that, it's not crazy. It's also yeah. not crazy for the Braves to say no. Agreed, one hundred percent. Because it didn't match up. Yeah, just and, with the timeline where the Braves are, is Yelich the guy who's putting you over the top? Probably not. Yeah, and you it, don't it, want to give up Lacuna, who's going to have more years of control, is younger, has a higher ceiling. It just probably didn't match up between the two teams yeah. and i i would be shocked if the Mar- i guess i wouldn't be shocked considering their track record but it seems pretty dumb to not trade with the braves just because they're in their division i would hope that's not what they did yeah i mean yeah. i think it's it's important to note like it's very convenient to go like prospect list for prospect list and like try to come up with the comparable trade it's never that easy so we're not saying that by any stretch of the imagination i do and every scouting department has their own things that they like or very want and, and that's another good point that you bring up right there uh, a part of it is probably just because alex anthopoulos is still i know he said this publicly basically every day since he's been there he's still trying to figure out the guys he has yep. and i think he doesn't he, i mean he said it he doesn't want to make a, a decision before he really knows what he's got i think that's that's probably smart and people are freaking so, out about the lack of movement as if it's not an entire <laughs> baseball thing i mean braves are not the only team not doing stuff and the braves have yeah. the, the newest gm in the league like it's not that surprising that, that they're not that's like not just surprising. wheeling and dealing right now i mean copy also yeah, spoiled everybody to too like copy just did stuff all the time <laughs> like yep. i mean <laughs> all the time all the time like short short of jerry depoto like nobody else was as active as copy and like it's not always going to be that way it's just not 100 mm-hmm. percent 
Anyway, uh, with, all, with all that said, we can uh, we can get off that too, because um, Yelich was always a topic for literally you know five six weeks consecutively. So hopefully never. You're again. probably pretty bummed, actually, Brad. What are you going to talk about now? There's nothing happening in the off season. Trust so me, I'm have... not uh, <laughs> not that excited about uh, February, especially once we get to spring. There's always stuff to talk about, but February is going to be a dark time for the pod. I want something. After episode 100, it's going to a monthly podcast, right? Isn't that what yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna take the entire month of February off. No, um, <laughs> there, there there will be at least one week when we don't do a pod in February because I have to move, which is never gonna be fun. Lack of internet and all that fun stuff. But anyway, uh, one more thing before we get to the mailbag portion, and that is, uh, I thought this is very interesting, sort of to the Anthopolis um, point of view here. Uh, Mark Bowman, good friend of the program, Carlos's former boss. Um, Love Mark. Reported uh, over the weekend, the Braves had their you know chop fest or whatever it's called uh, at Stuntress Park, and part of that was the guys being available in the media. And he reported that Alex Anthopoulos was asked about um, uh, all the discussions about, or at least the buzz about potentially switching uh, Swanson and Albies at positionally. Uh, he said that they're not planning to do that, and that they and that the highlight one for me was that the club still believes, and I quote, that Albies' best long-term value will come as a second baseman. End quote. I hate that quote, um, but. <laughs> Thoughts on not flipping them? I actually have no problem with this, though. I will say uh, it's hard to have a guy who can play shortstop as well as I think he can play shortstop to have his best value by second base. But I have no problem with them not switching them. So I don't, I'm not even sure what that puts me on this thing, but I have no beef with this. Where are you guys at on that? Yeah, I think considering how Swanson has struggled moving him off the position, which is definitely considered more of a premier spot than second base, would, would only hurt things as far as him kind of getting back on track. Ozzy's been playing second pretty regularly for a while now. I think it yep. just give them a little bit too much uh, on their place when they're worried about adjusting to major league pitching. There's, it's really not necessary at this point. If Dansby continues to struggle and just doesn't ever turn the corner, it's it's really easy to say, okay, Ozzy, you're going back to shortstop, figure out what, what's going to happen with Dansby. So given the time, uh, given the current time we're in right now, it, it makes all the sense in the world to me. I don't have any issues with it. Yeah, I think it's more likely like if when Dansby gets a day off, they might put Albies over at short or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that, that that's I don't anticipate any sort of like flip flopping positions or anything like that unless Dansby just can't play baseball. And there was a stretch from last year where he was just could not play baseball. He was couldn't catch anything and couldn't hit anything. I don't that, worry. That, that, that's a, I don't worry about Dansby's defense. Like I know I'm. Pro- I mean, you and I are probably on the short list of people that. Do. I mean, a lot of a lot of Braves fans think he's bad defensively. He, he's not. I mean, he. That's no. probably what happens if you watch Simmons for like four straight. Well, that's years. true. I mean, he, he had some bad moments last year. Swanson was not uh, not consistent at all. And if that doesn't change, if he's just the same guy he was as a as a rookie, then yeah, you worry a little bit. But it's not like he's out there just as a butcher, like he, that he's bad defensively. Yeah. Yeah, he can't get to anything. That's not true at all. He's not but bad. There, there was certainly like a month there where it just seemed like everything was going wrong for him. Yes. Uh, and, and the optics <laughs> during that month were particularly bad. But, you know, I I think Andrew's going to be fine defensively. Uh, with the bat, I you know, there's certainly some things that he's going to have to fix, uh, in particular just dealing with, you know, sliders and stuff like that. But, you know, for the moment, I, I think that right now Swanson and Albies at short and second respectively makes – perfect sense to me and you know third base hopefully they find someone that can catch and hit <laughs> yeah i don't i don't, I don't even want to talk about third base it's such a wasteland that's not even worth <laughs> todd frazier incoming oh uh, yeah i've got some questions about that I don't, I, don't even, I don't even want to do third base we've done it so many times unless carlos has a hot take about third base I'm, i don't really want to touch it on no that. my my chipper jones should have been traded was enough of a hot take that for is third base. your hottest <laughs> take in the history of this podcast I think. So, uh, and that's a high bar to clear my friend um all right let's go to the mailbag because we can end on that and obviously this can be a relatively long podcast if you guys haven't noticed already so 
We're blowing out all the stops with two guests on the program. Um, first one comes from Jake Scott, who says, I am a huge fan of Mike Fultonavich, but is, is, is it just me, or could he be an Archie Bradley-style dominant with a move um, to the bullpen? Basically, uh, should he move to the bullpen? Because he believes that uh, Fulton could not only be a good bullpen guy, but a great bullpen guy. This has been a topic of conversation for a long time with Fulton, but given that you know he's not necessarily improved all that much, it's coming back, it seems. So, um, obviously, if a guy can start, you want him to start. But do you guys think it's reasonable to think he could just be transitioning to the bullpen at some point in the future? Because he does have, of course, the big fastball that you would want in the bullpen. Yep, I agree 100%. I definitely don't think that it's a stretch to think he could be a great bullpen guy. He's got all the tools you want. Yep, I'm on board. I mean, he, he definitely has that sort of that, that arsenal that would play up. You know, the, he's not, he can, he, I mean, the guy can throw 100. But he probably he can't do it for six innings, so we don't really see a whole lot of that. But in short sense, I think he could be like like a real flamethrower type reliever. And when he was coming up, I was in the camp that I thought that he was probably going to end up in the bullpen just because of the third pitch. The problem with you know him not really having a third pitch. I'm not sure if he's pitched his way out of a starter's role quite yet, to be fair. But I, I also don't think he's really like done anything to quiet that discussion either. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of he's in a weird spot. You, Ask me after like the first couple months of the season, I might have a stronger opinion about it. But for the moment, I'm fine with him being uh, being a starter. But at this, I'm with Carlos. I, I think that if the he's he's certainly not going to be like out of the major leagues if he can't make it as a starter because the, the the stuff is too good to just abandon. You know, try him out in the bullpen and see what he does there. If that's if that's what happens. Yeah, you you want him start until he proves he can't. And frankly. Even though he's had some struggles, if he is just the guy he's been the last two years, he is a major league starter. He's not, a, he's not necessarily a, a one that you are super excited about, but he's a better pitcher than a lot of teams' fourth or fifth starters are. So it's not. So there, sure. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think we're there yet. Like I don't think there is enough value to be gained by moving into the bullpen unless he like actually flames out. And he's not done that. I mean, he's not been great, but you know, he's basically been a one-win player the last couple of years consecutively, and like that's a major league starter. It's just. Not a great one, not, not a super exciting one as your you know, centerpiece in a trade package and a guy you're really excited about, but I'd let him start until he couldn't start. And if, at that point in time, you know, Archie Bradley was like legitimately bad as a starter. Like he was a huge prospect. Just as this, this is that's just the one question that we're referencing here because it was part of the question. But you know, guys that are legitimately bad as starters, yeah, moving the bullpen, you know, quicker the better. But Fulty's not been bad. He's not been good, but he's just you know, there's 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 a divider there, and I think it's important to at least note that he's not like he's not like he's flamed out already. He's he's far from that. I agree. <laughs> well, well said. Uh, we <laughs> we uh, the next one uh, comes from Daniel, and he asks, "How many of our young pitching prospects would you say have ace slash number one potential?" Uh, and uh, he follows it up with, "Even though Soroka does not necessarily fit the, the prototype, do you think he could be that along with, with, with his command?" <laughs> no. Which an Eric no. thing. Eric's not allowed to talk about uh, Soroka. That'll be just Carlos. But uh, seriously, okay, how, my, how many? My, how many number one guys? How many? All right, let's see. Actual potential, okay. not not projection. It's important to note that we're not we're not projecting all these guys to be number one starters. But how many guys have the potential? Potential, I'd say, if we're doing just prospects, not young guys who are who have been in the majors for a while. Well, they count. Uh, I mean, everybody Luke everybody Gohara. that's twenty five or under counts. Let's just say that. Oh, okay. All right. I'd say definitely Gohara, uh, definitely Cal Wright. Uh, that might be the end. Uh, Tuki. Tuki definitely has. I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Really unlikely, but Same. definitely has this stuff. Um, those three. I don't know if I'd say Ian Anderson. Same. I don't. I don't know if I'd put one. Uh, but yeah, not Soroka. No, come on. 
Soroka, what? I mean, I think Soroka's going to that's my list. Soroka is going to be a very good pitcher. He just he has to – the stuff is not number one stuff, especially with the way pitchers have just been throwing harder and harder as years go by. He's going to be very good. His stuff is probably better than some people think just because he's always this, like, oh, really good control guy. He's got legit stuff, but number one seems a little bit rich. All right, um, Eric. Uh, Eric, talk him, talk, talk him down. Where are we at here? Yeah, we're going to okay, uh, first of all, where, where Carlos and I agree, uh, I, I agree with Kohara, Tuki, Kyle Wright. Those are all guys that have – that ability um i do not i am also i'm i've been kind of historically a little lower on ian anderson as well um i i also am not i am not convinced whatsoever that he was healthy last year and that gives me other questions i guess so and i just haven't seen enough of him to say that that could happen but you know when he's healthy and right i mean that's those are those are three really good pitchers pitches but i'm not i'm not even willing to say that potential is there at this point with Soroka, it's a weird case, right? Because Carlos is 100% right. He doesn't throw he doesn't throw like high 90s, and he doesn't have like a like a Tuki curveball or an, a pitch that you can be like you can show it on film and like how is anyone going to hit that? <laughs> um, but it's I and I I would certainly not say that the likelihood is particularly high that he's like an ace. Which, for what it's worth, there's not a lot of teams in Major League Baseball that have aces. Period. You know what I mean? There's a lot of teams just have several guys who are like number two, number threes that occasionally have good seasons and things like that. And that's that's a perfectly reasonable way to construct a roster because there's only so many of these true aces out there. But I do think that there is an outside chance that given just – and it's a hard tool to – with command and control, it's hard to – it's harder to project success because if you throw a pitch exactly where you want it to, you have to also be fooling major league hitters, which, as it turned out, are really good at hitting baseballs on a very consistent basis. And we haven't really seen much of that since really Maddox in terms of like a command and control guy. And that's uh, that's a lot to, a, a lot to ask of a guy who throws like you know like ninety three, ninety four, and again gonna, doesn't have. I was go gonna I was gonna ask you like, is there a, even a comp like in current major league baseball that? I was going to say, I got one. Similar st- I mean, is it Dallas Keuchel? I mean, yeah, Granky I mean, might have better off-speed stuff. Granky, but Granky yeah, yeah sliders. The like breaking ball is really good with Keuchel. Yeah. Uh, I Granky, wouldn't... Granky's off-speed stuff is probably, it's probably a lot better than Soroka's currently. I think you could, if you wanted to make the case that Soroka could turn in this guy, it'd have to be like a Granky path where he's just like a legit 70 command guy, but that's just so rare. 70 command. It, that, the, 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 the odds are long for that, but I, I don't think that it's... I don't think it's outside. It, I don't think it's impossible for Soroka. I will say that. But I, I mean, I, I like him. I, I like Soroka as a like a number two, number three guy who's going to throw two hundred innings and be a long time. It's one of the reasons why I like him the most. With an outside shot for, and I say outside shot with for a little more than that. And so, that's a huge but, success story, by the way. Like, yes. it's important to always <laughs> say that. Like anybody on this list, even the guy, even Kyle Wright, who was a top five pick. If he becomes a a good number three major league starter, that is a, that is a, that is a success. Mm-hmm. Like if he's in a rotation for five years, you are ecstatic. That right? People him. just don't understand. Like I, I feel like I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it again <laughs> now. Like it's the whole Austin. Like last week we talked we talked a little bit about, about Austin Riley, and I, I made the comment that uh, somebody somebody compared him like in a, and they were trying to be negative to David Freeze, and I was like, if he becomes David Freeze, that's a huge win, like a massive win. <laughs> Like David Freeze was not anybody's like idea of like a super sexy baseball player, but the guy's been a major leaguer for ten years. Like that's a huge victory in, in terms of, of Austin Riley becoming going from where he was to being that guy as a win. I'm sorry. 
That's just what it is. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. That's ex- that's what you want from a top 100 prospect. Exactly. <laughs> just like be a major leaguer for a long time. And I mean, <laughs> I guess it, I guess if Ronald Acuna is just be, it's just an ordinary major leaguer, that might be something of a disappointment, maybe. Um, but aside from that, like everybody Let's else, be honest, if you're a top, if you're the number one prospect in baseball and you're just average, people are always going to be ticked. I mean, look, even it's look at Jason, Jason Hayward. Hayward. Like, yeah, exactly. Jason I mean, Hayward, and he was better than that. People, by the way. it's yeah. not like people aren't already talking about Yon Moncada. Keep in mind, he's like played like 50 games in the majors. Yeah, <laughs> as the coverage like forgotten about him. has just gotten deeper and deeper. Prospect fatigue has gotten even more extreme. So, I mean, we had the conversation this week briefly, and we'll, we'll move on from this. I swear, I'll, on Twitter. A couple of people were talking about this, um, about the notion of Jason Hayward being a bust, and I'm like cracking up. Like the guy has 30 major league WAR and he's 28 years old, and people yeah. are like, "Oh, he's this, he's this huge bust." I'm like, "Are you out of your literal mind? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you people?" Like, yeah, yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not a super duper star. Congratulations, but man, blows my mind sometimes. Just expectations will get you. That's sort. Of, it was, it was all about Acuna and like how expectations will get will steer you wrong on a lot of these guys. Obviously, mm-hmm. Cunha's expectations are through the roof, and you know, justifiably so. But like, you got to remember what these guys, you know, a good. If, if Acuna becomes Hayward, by the way, that's not a bust. Like, it wouldn't be like super duper exciting. But again, Jason Hayward go was through. a re- was regularly a five win player with the Braves. <laughs> go go through the list of top five prospects on any list, any major list. You'll be very happy with a Jason Hayward outcome. Yes, if you look at that list, look it's crazy. Yes. Anyway, uh, we, I don't want to get bogged down there, but uh, there, there's your answer on the number one guys. Hopefully, the brace will, will hit on at least one of those. That'd be a lot of fun if they did. Um, probably the last major question comes from Ricky Kennedy, and he says a lot has changed since you started the podcast. How do, how do you feel about where the Rays are now compared to where they were then? And I made some notes. Um, the podcast started on February sixth. 2016 with Carlos and I. So the last, so the season before that, of course, was, was 2015. The Braves posted a record of 67 and 95 in 2015. Uh, Johnny Gomes was the team's full-time left fielder. Uh, Chris Johnson was on the team. Michael Bourne the second time around. Pedro Siriaco was on the team. Nick Swisher, the the immortal Todd Cunningham. They had Hector Oliveira for a while. Uh, Let it be known that Johnny Gones has one more ring than the Braves do as a franchise since this podcast has started. That is, so. that is true. Uh, Williams <laughs> Perez was the number three starter in terms of uh, innings pitched behind Louis uh, Tehran and that Shelby Miller. So well, all 15 say, was the year I interned, right? Uh, Williams Perez, Matt Whistler, yeah. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, and you get, yeah that was the year you... Yeah, there was a lot of was falling around old Bo. Yeah, that was fun. So they were uh, terrible. But yeah, it was a terrible team, and that was the. <laughs> so we started the podcast on the heels of that. So the first full time year we did the podcast was 2016, and the Braves were again very bad. They won 68 games. They won one more game the following season, and uh, 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 Freddie got fired, Snicker, all that fun stuff. So just want to put you guys back in that mind and that mindset to talk about where we come from. Obviously, the Braves have been bad the entire time. 2017 was the best season of the uh, three that we've uh, quote unquote covered, but uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, how do you feel about uh, sort of where we are now versus where, where, we're there, where we were then? Because 2015 was like the very beginning of the rebuild, because the year before mm-hmm. that uh, was when the wheels came off and basically everybody decided that they had to rebuild because you know the team went 79-83. So uh, a mm-hmm. lot's changed, but also not a lot's changed. If that makes sense, it's kind of it's kind of a funny uh, balance to hit on. Yeah, I think. For me, they're kind of right on track uh, to what we thought they were going to be. Uh, I know, Brad, when we started this, me and you were always a little bit more uh, conservative, I guess, with our, our projections on when the Braves were going to be back to being good. I think we always thought 18-19 was more realistic than, than 17 that a lot of people like to throw out at us early on. 
Uh, I think probably right on track and then maybe even a little bit better just because you have guys like Acuna who have popped up and really weren't on the radar then, uh, or at least to the level they are now, uh, who can really be like franchise altering players. And when you look at where the nationals are, as far as windows opening and closing where you want it to, uh, there's a good chance, depending on what happens in free agency next year, uh, that the nationals window is going to close right when the Braves is opening. So timing wise, it's pretty perfect. Um, there are definitely some things that went wrong. Uh, all the international stuff with copies, it's definitely not what you want to see. That's going to set them back down the line. But as far as the guys they have in the farm, where are the major league teams at right now? There are only a few guys kind of breaking out uh, and then a few pieces away from really competing again. And, and the window should be long. I mean, so a really young team. Um, I guess you probably want you probably wanted more of the pitchers to kind of establish themselves in the rotation at this point, maybe. Uh, especially when you talk about uh, just the amount of talented arms they got and, and how kind of the philosophy was rebuilt through the pitching. Well, really all your best prospects are hitters at this point. So it's it's been a little different as far as where your value is coming from. Uh, at least that's what we think is going to happen. But um, yeah, I'd say pretty close to right where, where I would have expected them to be. I have kind of a weird perspective because 2015 was my first season at Talking Chop. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, jo- I, I, jo- I joined at, uh, I joined May 2015. Uh, I was it was it was right when like Chris and DB had just taken over. Uh, that, that that was like that spring, and I kind of just joined and just started writing random stuff like as things needed to be done. And I didn't really start focusing on the minors until that draft uh, when I was I was told to like we, we have a we have a chat room where we all kind of get together to kind of get things covered. And they picked Colby Aller that year, and I, I forget who wrote that. Um, and the 28th pick came up, and I was just kind of like just monitoring things because I was like trying to make do my best just to help out wherever I could. And Chris said, "Okay, Eric, you're taking the 28th pick," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I had a p- passing understanding of what was going on in the draft, and I knew some guys that could be taken. Uh, and then they picked Canadian right-handed pitcher Mike Soroka. That's why uh, you love uh, so much. Yes. beginning of the love story. Yeah. So, and I had literally. You can go back and look at it. My actual argument was this must be an underslot signing because he was not considered to be a first round talent. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that one aged well. Um, so it it was uh, for for me at least. And then that that summer is kind of we had a guy who was running the the minor league uh, like recaps and all that stuff. And the long and short of that is that things weren't getting done, and I was just kind of be helpful. And then from there, I started taking over more and more of that. So for me, at least, it's been a lot of fun these last couple of years seeing the evolution of this farm system from uh, not particularly good, but really liking Ozzy Albies to kind of this adding this more and more, this talent and kind of seeing it now where it's really on the, I mean, I mean, going to be a really fun team to watch this year. And that's right. I mean, that, that at that point you're, you're almost to Atlanta uh, and seeing that progression has been a lot of fun for me. Just because it's gone from having a farm system that wasn't very good to a farm system that was getting good, but all the help was really far away. And then seeing that progression up through the end of this season where we see all these guys who are literally like they're right there and kind of seeing what they can do. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot. It's, it's been a lot of fun for me. It's been like one of the one of the more fun things that I could have imagined. And I've had experiences that I couldn't have imagined three years ago. And it's. It's been a lot of fun for me, although I completely understand that with the Major League product being tough to watch at times, uh, how that maybe some fans wouldn't share that. 
Yeah, it depends on your, on your on your perspective as always. But uh, listen, you know, 2018, I would argue, is the best major league roster they've had since we started the podcast. And the minor league system number, is number one for a lot of people. So that's a pretty good combination. I don't think 2018 is going to be this awesome year on the major league level, honestly. I think they're going to be better than they were in 2017, um, which is encouraging. But, you know, I mean, if you look at where they were, it was pretty bleak, honestly, in the winter of mm-hmm. 2016. Um, you know, after a 67-win season with a farm system that wasn't, Awful, but it wasn't good at that point in time. Like it was. What did it, we talk about on the podcast? I mean, a lot of sadness. <laughs> I was looking for some uh, old, some old uh, talkingchop.com uh, podcast write-ups that we did, uh, just for, for some inspiration on this. And yeah, we, we 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 probably just ranted a lot about different things. But that was a really bad baseball team in 2015. And listen, 2016 was not much better. So I feel good about where the Braves are. I think uh, Carlos is right that we were always a little bit more skeptical, and that's kind of. Um, my personality, as I'm sure everybody would listening to the podcast would understand at this point, that I'm uh, going to have my guard up a little bit and not be the fanboy. Um, part of that's because I cover sports for uh, a semi-living, um, so y- you kind of have to be more down the middle than you were when you were just a pure fan, and some of that just comes from my personality being more of a pessimist. But we Let's were be right. honest, Brad. You're a pessimist because you're an Atlanta sports fan. That's probably true. Um we we were also right though, Carlos. I mean, we were right about we not were. getting too excited about the major league product early on in this rebuild, and that's for me. That's sort of just common sense. I mean, if you if you look at these <laughs> rosters, you could try to talk yourself into it being better than they are, but you know, the roster that sells at the major league level is just not that good right now. It's still better than it was a couple of years ago. Um, but the future is what you want to look for, and that's uh, I, I can definitely understand why Eric and the uh, prospect guys have had so much fun the last couple of years because the system is just so stacked, and it's a lot of fun every every day and night to talk about the prospects. And one day, the major league roster will be as good as the prospects have been uh, the last couple of years. Hopefully, that day will be 2018 late, and maybe 2019 as the full first full season. But I'm having fun. I mean, I still like doing the podcast. And I hope uh, you know. Obviously, Carlos is a long gone full time national guy that he is. And uh, Eric jumps out all the time, but I, I, I still have fun. I, I think I probably like the team more now. Um, you know, we've learned a lot about the team for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of those things, man. It's going to happen <laughs> one of these days. We're going to do a podcast when, when the team is good. Uh, I promise that. And when, when, when that happens, it might be a little bit more interesting. One day, I think, Eric, like by the mid 2020s, we're going to have a bad farm system and a good major league team. And yeah, weird. Eric, what are you going to do then? I was just thinking about that, actually. Like, that's not going to come anytime soon. I don't want to talk honest, about it. Let's be honest, if all these guys that you covered were, are in the majors like, having success, will that make it less fun just because there are no more prospects? I like, mean, I, got I, I, if they're winning, if they're like the Cubs and all your guys go up to the major league team and start just raking and becoming the best players in the game, like, that's the goal, right? Well, yes. And you, you, you ultimately. It's almost like you kind of want to end up with a not very good farm system, just because yeah, that exactly. means you're picking up the picking That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. But now it's going to be particularly compounded by the international penalties, where you can't even like buy. You know, I mean, like there's no draft to contend with there, and for for two years at the very least, the the Braves aren't really. I, I have fun with all of it. I, I look, I love all the top thirty guys. You know, the, the, those are the guys that we all have kind of gotten to know and 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 really fall in love with. But I still I still love. I love looking at young prospects and thinking about what they could be and what they're good at and what they're not. And just the idea of like looking at player development, looking at how young players progress and organizational philosophy and, you know, talking to, you know, people who are in minor, in minor league baseball, it's that part. I don't think is ever not going to be fun. Now will it be a little harder to find things to be happy about. Sure. Uh, but I'm also, I'm, I'm fine with that because, 
I am happy when we like we have been we have been remarkably lucky and I would say successful in in getting on guys early because we have the benefit of having to only look at one farm system. So when a guy like Ronald Acuna is breaking out this past year, we had fallen in love with him when he was at Rome because we only had to watch you know just the Braves affiliates and we had gotten multiple really good looks at at Acuna and. It became apparent that he was going to be – he could be a very special guy, assuming he was healthy. And, you know, that, that injury he had in Rome, if he hadn't had that, I think that a lot of people would have jumped on that bandwagon early. Mm-hmm. But I've also learned a lot from being wrong, too. And I've oh, yeah. learned a lot – I've learned I bet a lot. learned more from that. Yeah, and I've learned a lot of, you know, when guys are – when guys fail, I don't get any joy from that. I think all these guys work incredibly hard. And I think one of the more tragic things about minor league baseball is that a lot of these guys are doing it for functionally free and are just doing this to chase their dream. And when a guy, you know, peaks at double A and just can't hit in more advanced pitching or, you know, has an injury, I get no joy from that. But at the same time, I learned, okay, well, what was something about this guy that made it not work? Or what was it about this guy that, you know, made him inconsistent or he couldn't hit this type of pitch? And I hope at the very least that that makes you know the next year that i'm better and that's that, that that's so so maybe that will and i hope that informs my opinion as time goes on and what i think it's fair to say that the, the farm system certainly is going to be this good uh in subsequent years because it's just that, that that sort of farm system you know growth and depth is not sustainable uh, especially when you have you know windows of opportunity for you know trying to win and trades happen and things like that so I, I, I do my best to keep an open mind about everything, and I try my best to to listen to people who are smarter than me and try to use that well. And I hope that you know when the team is really, I hope when the team is really good, or at least trying to make trying to be really good, and the farm system isn't nearly as exciting, that I still am able to get something from that. And that, I, I, I look forward to that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Very well said. That's the, way, that's the way to do it, Eric. I'm, I'm proud of you, my friend. <laughs> uh, Mike Soroka's Mike, Mike Soroka, Cy Young 2020. Here comes. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> happening for sure. I mean, just to rub it in, I'm, I'm going I'm to pull the audio from Carlos uh, saying he could be a number one starter when that happens, too. That's going to be out. That'll be out there on the internet. I promise oh, you that. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, last thing before we – I think I probably touched on it, just sort of my uh, my general hatred. But uh, Nick Nick the Bucket asked uh, why um, – basically he says, it's time for us to answer the hard-hitting question of why we hate the Braves. Um, I think he's talking mostly to me, but it could be Eric, could be Scott, um, could be. Yeah, he did say, "Why do you hate the Braves?" So I don't know if it was directed at the podcast. Well, like the it talk- was. Two I, I do. I do have some, Not mine. Okay, it was the talking talk- chop account. Account. I, I, I do have some information about Nick the Bucket. It's not me. So. So Nick the Bucket is like a professional troll of yeah, Garav. He's, def- he's definitely like, a troll. like he, 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 he. If there is an opportunity to troll Garav, he will hundred percent every time. Uh, and so it's not. It's actually not clear as to who he's talking to. Uh, but uh, I, I promise. Me. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, of it's, us three, it's going to be you. Brad, now, so. now, I do think that Brad hates Ozzy Albies and that he wants oh, him off the team. Here we go. But in terms, here's here's the thing about, and I will say this specifically about Brad. There is no one that I know that writes more and works harder than Brad. Oh, reach all the retweets. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's fascinating to me that anyone could actually think that Brad hates the Braves because 
he has so little free time and that he still comes up with a way to do this podcast and to help out on Talking Chop and to, you know, like generate Braves related content. If he hated the Braves, he has no shortage of other things that he could be doing and talking about. So, I mean, so it, I, I assume since it's from Nick that it, this isn't actually a serious question, but for all of our listeners out there, as much as we like to give Brad a hard time, he does not hate the Braves at all. In fact, you know, it might be, a, it might be a, you know, a love-hate relationship at times, but, you know, he really does love it. It's certainly a love-hate relationship. There's no question about that, but I appreciate uh, the kind words, fellas. Uh, but, no, I don't hate the Braves. Uh, I am a pessimist, as I, as I mentioned before, and uh, we're going to be realistic. I, if you guys want the uh, if you want the super optimistic rah-rah uh, fan pod, this probably isn't the one for you. Hopefully you still listen to it, uh, but <laughs> I'm not going to suddenly be that. I think you probably know that by now if you're still listening after 100 episodes, and we're not going <laughs> to be the, like, super fan pod. Um, oh, I, we need to know who's been listening since episode one, too. Yeah, so please if you tell have, us. Like, tweet uh, at the yeah. Talking Chop account or at Brad or something. Yeah, at all of us, honestly. If you've, if you've listened to all 100, I'd be very impressed by that. Um, yeah, and, much and, and, I'm, and I'm sorry for wasting so much time. No, <laughs> Just think uh, how many hours of their lives. Honestly, that, that would be really awesome if anybody has done that. I'm, I'm assuming somebody probably has. So please let us know if you, if you listen to all 100. Uh, bless you for your service and your support. Um, we really enjoy making the podcast. I know Carlos can't be on all the time anymore, and Eric's on whenever I ask him. Eric is very yeah. faithful on showing up when I ask. Um, Actually, so there it is. since this is the 100th episode, and I don't know how much you were trying to reminisce on the podcast, but anytime Brad asks me if I want to be on the podcast, I really get a little excited because doing this podcast was definitely one of the more fun things we did. I know we started a podcast a long time ago, Brad, before we even did the Talking Chop podcast. It's always fun. Uh even if there's nothing to talk about, it always ends up being fun. I don't know how long we've talked tonight, but it doesn't feel like well over an hour. <laughs> We're about an hour and a half right now. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's been fun. I hope I know it's been growing as you guys have done it. I love to to just pop in and listen when you guys are talking. You regardless of whether I'm on or not, it's it's always fun. Uh, great work that you've done with it, Brad. And uh, thanks for having me on again, man. It's been great. Uh, my pleasure, sir. Uh, thank you, thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. Obviously, and we'll. We talk before the pod, we'll talk after the pod, and we'll do all, all that fun stuff, I promise. Um, but that'll probably do it for, the, for episode 100. So I appreciate everybody that made it to the end of this thing 77 minutes later. Yes, 77 minutes later on the pod. So I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, please stay tuned. I probably will take one off I, coming soon in February. I'm not sure which one just yet. But if there's, if, if there's a trade, if there's a signing, if anything happens whatsoever that warrants an emergency podcast, I will probably call Eric and just start talking. Into the, into the <laughs> void. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you guys next week. I appreciate everybody listening. Subscribe to the pod. Do all that fun stuff. We'll see you guys later on, probably in February. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. 
Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.